Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never, ever, ever played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Trace. And let's talk sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 14 of Amateur Hour. Wow. 14. We're getting up there. I'm getting up there. That's uh, how old I was uh, a couple when of years you, ago. When you were 14, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, when I was 14, I was actually 14. 14. Most people thought I was 13, but uh, no. I was they were, I was they were like, you look like, you look like a year older than you actually are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had our first special guest last week. This week, it's back to the good old tried and true Max and Shrey method. We have some interesting topics. We were just discussing just before we started recording. We just added a new topic, and I'm actually really excited to talk about it. Now, before mm. we get into that, we're going to go through our weekly highs, our weekly lows, and we'll kick it off with the highs. The weekly highs. So the weekly highs this week, I want to talk about, it was a career night for four players in the NBA, and I want to talk about all four of them really quick. The first is Gary Trent Jr., who is a newly acquired asset, brought fresh into Toronto from Portland, had a career high 44 points impressive i knew i liked him as a guard 44 points right off the jump in his third year in the league impressive i really really like him he's he got cooked. he cooked he i think he went 17 for 19 unbelievable yeah that's that's he was unconscious in shooting unconscious shooting he would just catch it and and pull it i mean yeah just impressive great pickup by the raptors and again as we talked about last week or two weeks before that with the trade deadline talk I don't think that Portland is worse off having Norman Powell. Right. You know, they they needed that for this year's push. So the second person that I want to talk about is Zach Levine, who had a career high of 50 points, mm. which again, mm-hmm. super impressive. Although it resulted in a loss. They still, the Bulls still lost to the Atlanta Hawks. Ice Trey Young literally oh. had like seven floaters in that game. It was ridiculous. He had 42 in that game, too. So that's a duel right there. That's 15 for his 42. That was pretty good. That, that that was intense. So, Zach, again, I don't sleep on the Bulls. I think they are looking very good right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, tough, tough look if you are Zach Levine right now. Because that, that, yeah. that, that sucks. You drop, you drop 40 points, and then you still uh, can't get it done. I, yeah, he's, he's coming off the ankle injury, too, so that's even tougher. Because he was... His efficiency since the ankle injury was like going down a little bit. So it was nice to see him kind of bounce back. And he had 39 in the first half. And I was like, oh man, this is like 60 or 70 material. But then when I saw he only had 11 in the second half, I was like, oh, this team could could kind of, you know, is moving towards a loss right here. And then uh, Atlanta took advantage. That he didn't score enough in the second half. And they indeed did lose, which yeah. is, like I said, tough. Now, the third player is Ennis Cantor, mm. who had. 24 points. That wasn't his best stat, though. 30. <laughs> three, zero rebounds. 30 rebounds. Yeah, that's crazy. Game. This man was off the boards like crazy on offense and defense. What a stud. 
whenever someone breaks the 30 rebound mark, it, it, it has to become like a new story. Like, so, like, I would say 25. If you can get 25 rebounds, you're in a zone. You're, you're eyeing the ball really well, and you're, you're forcing yourself like, to make sure that you secure the ball. So 25 rebounds is unbelievable. To hit the 30 mark in this day and age when it's all about, you know, shoot and then get back there. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just get back on D. You know what I mean? No one cares about the offensive rebound. This guy, he cares about his offensive rebounds. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a refreshing, refreshing thing to see. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, I mean, he, I, I, it still bugs me when people say that we didn't need him on the Celtics. We traded him for two, two picks, which that Man. just, like, we really gave him away for a bag of chips. Danny Ainge hoarding picks. I, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Every year his defense is going to improve, and it has. And then you're going to tell me that, yeah, you don't want somebody who averages 12 boards a game? He's fourth Hello? in rebound average this year. I just checked. In the whole league? In the whole league. That's crazy. And we give him up our bag of chips. That yeah, ridiculous. All right. Good for Ennis. Really impressive. Good for Portland. Now, the last person that I want to talk about is Jason Tatum. Who? <laughs> The struggling Celtics played the struggling Timberwolves. And with a sloppy, sloppy, sloppy first half, Jason Tatum went deep into his bag and pulled out 53 points. Insane. I want to credit his ability, or his willingness, rather, to drive to the basket. That was, I think, what opened up. In addition to him hitting all of his shots, him driving to the basket and getting their de- the defense on their feet instead of anticipating his step back or sidestep threes, I think that is what helped him have such a phenomenal game. I agree. I think, yeah, just getting to the line was huge. He went 16 times. Uh, he had 16 shots from the line, and I think he made a comment after the game too which I hadn't really heard him say. And he, it, <laughs> and it was kind of shocking that like, I, I wanted, I want more analysis coming from the players sometimes about, you know, what the situation is, why they were so aggressive. And usually Tatum and Brown, they're more, they just talk about like, Oh, we got to get better as a team. And the, the talk, they talk, the talk, they talk, yeah. the talk. Right. And he made a comment that like, he understood the situation. He understood they were in uh, foul trouble and that they were in the bonus. Right. So, I believe that when the player comes out and says something like that, that it only shows they know what to do in those situations. And sometimes when they're not playing well, they don't have the confidence to say stuff like that. So we hope that Tatum can continue because he knows that, hey, if, if I can get these guys in foul trouble and get them into the bonus, I can I can be a part of that. Like I can be the guy that, you know, goes to the line 15, 16 times and gets my mm-hmm. points at the line, which is much easier than shooting a step, step back three or side step three, every 10 possessions. Oh, every possession. Yeah. He like, he, he, he just the biggest momentum killer where he just, you pass the ball to Tatum from Kemba Pritchard or smart. Like the point card gives up the ball to give it to Tatum mm-hmm. to take it to the wing to over dribble, not make plays half the time. And then just try to like jack up a shot. And yeah. I get it. Sometimes he is hot and sometimes he is on fire. But when you also like dribble yourself to the corner of the baseline and get trapped and then try to do a turnaround like long two, 
terrible. Don't ever do that. Well, you know what it is? It's when he can't find a lane, and this happens with Brown too, is when they can't find a lane and they start they start driving and they get stopped, they step back out, they come back to the top of the key, and then they dribble for a little bit, and then they try again. And if it doesn't work... Oh, they're coming back out, and then and there's no like, shot. Yeah. yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no. Oh, I couldn't get in. Let me try to, you know, kick it out. Let let me do some movement without the ball and come back to it and see if I can get a better, better look that way. And I know Tatum knows what he can do. I know yeah. Tatum knows that what the right thing to do is in every position because he said it. He knows if he gets to the line, he can get someone in foul trouble, and like it just helps the team out because people are playing like, like more timidly when they're in foul trouble, but. He just has to do it on a more consistent basis. And it was it was nice to see that he could score um and in a Celtics win as well. So Yeah. Yep. Yep. I no, I, I agree with that. Well, if you look, Shrey, at one of the one of the premier shooters of our time and of all time, Steph Curry, right. one of the things that I admire the most <laughs> about his game is his ability and his skill to move without the ball. Absolutely. And to run into I mean, he is such a Clay talented Clay Thompson too, right? These guys are running literal routes. They 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 yeah. duck behind one, two, sometimes three different screens Mm-mm. to 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 curl out, to go to the corner, to come to the top, to do handoffs, to do you know passes, to do fake. Like they, they do so much. They are playing chess just to get that open three, but it 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 works, and that's why they are. The splash brothers. Well, Clay Thompson famously had 60 points on 11 dribbles, right? So it's like you yeah. can score without yep. having the ball. You just have to look for it. You know what I mean? You have to get to the right spot. And someone, if you have a good team camaraderie and chemistry and you know where people are going to be, they'll find you the ball. And you yep. can still score. It's not like, oh, I got to dribble all this time to get mm-hmm. two points. Like it doesn't have to work that way. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Personal high? What's what's going on? What's going on in my life? Uh, yeah. What's going on, Max? Talk about it. I'm gonna give a shout out to my dog Moby today because we've been training him and he's doing really well now. And he comes when you call him, not just inside, but also outside. Oh. And it's today. Today I was outside, and I said, "Moby, come." And he, oh, dude, he walked right up to me. And I didn't have a treat, and I didn't have I didn't have anything in my hand, and he just came really? right up and that. That that was huge, and he's he's getting really good at sit. Mm. He's 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 learning down. He's learning, you know, four on the floor, so he doesn't like jump on people. Because you know, people people mm-hmm. like when they see a dog, like you you don't want your dog to be jumpy. And if they say on it's the okay, leg, yeah. that's a different thing. But automatically off the bat with new people, you don't you don't want that. So what we're trying of, to work on that with him. What kind of dog is Moby? Uh, Moby is a half sheep dog, half poodle. So he's a sheep doodle. He is a shaggy boy. Much oh. like me, before I shaved my hair, he is a shaggy boy. <laughs> so is it the poodle? So the poodle in size, like, or the sheepdog in size? He's probably about the size of like a standard lab, I would say. He's like a medium, oh, okay. slightly large. He's not that big. Oh, okay. okay. He's not that big. His parents, his parents didn't weigh a lot, so mm-hmm. he's not. He's not a huge dog. That's pretty good. You got how how old is Moby? A couple years? Or Moby year? is no. He's only, he's only seven months. Seven months, not even a year yet. Oh, he's okay. A so young you're getting. Boy. Getting getting all the training done early. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Enough about me, Shreyas. Let's talk about Lowe's. <laughs> the Lowe's. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for my for my sports low, uh, I want to I want to bring it to a sport we haven't really talked about 
in a bit. And we're going to, or we haven't talked about it at all, I think, on this podcast. No, not, yeah, yep. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the sport in general, but I want to specifically talk about one person, and we know we love our Massachusetts teams here, so the Boston Red Sox have Go Sox. New, their, yep, their biggest acquisition this year was yeah. a pitcher by the name of Garrett Richards. He was formerly of the Los Angeles Angels, mm-hmm. and we didn't really, you know, do too much on the on the market, and we had to pay for a starting caliber pitcher because we don't have any, <laughs> really, other than Eduardo Rodriguez and um, what's his face? Why did I forget his name? One sec. And, and, and we didn't have any other than Eduardo Rodriguez and Nate Eovaldi. And so we had to get someone. So we paid him $10 million, which is a pretty big price for a one-year contract. And uh, especially in this... Sorry, I just imagine making $10 million for a single year. Single year, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, continue. So it was like a kind of like you you make it, you you might get a bigger contract in the future type of type of deal. And we paid him 10 mil for it. So, you know, you expect a lot of things from, you know, the big, the big honcho coming in. And, (laughs) and so far he is, uh, has one loss. The first loss, the, the, the one loss that he had, he had an ERA, I think of over 20. It was not good. And he made these comments after the game. And it was it was just a horrible performance. He was he was throwing up in the zone, and it was the the ball didn't have have any movement to it. It was just right it was just sitting the up there. It's sitting up there like a <laughs> like a big fat juicy donut, like just ready to be splattered, <laughs> like a like a like a jelly donut ready to be just splattered everywhere. And <laughs> and you would think like someone would have a little more, uh, like someone that just went out there like hadn't didn't have a good spring training didn't have a for good first game would come out and be like, you know, I got to get my, my, my ish together. And I just, I don't know what happened. I have to, you know, I have to get better at my movement, you know, just kind of talk a little more nuanced about why it didn't work today. And he was talking about, Oh, you know, all my, all my balls were strikes. Like if you look at the number of pitches, the strike rate, it was, it was high. Like, and technically that's correct. Like a lot of his pitches were in the strike zone. But, like, there's a difference between a good and a bad pitch. And he threw bad strike zone pitches because they were hittable. And he was coming out and saying, oh, there's 32, you know, I still have 32 starts left. And I, every time I threw a strike, you know, it just so happened that I hit the barrel of the, the bat. And it just so happened that the ball wasn't in one of our gloves at the end of the, at the, end of the play. And it was, like, one of these things where it's like, no, it's not a coincidence, dude. You sucked. <laughs> you are you not bad. good. You were not good, dude. Stop yeah, talking listen, about uh, everything was voodoo. I, uh, you know, I, I may have thrown, uh, well, uh, really slow balls right over the middle of the plate, but you know that that's not on me. That's that's because uh, you know somebody in Philadelphia was eating a cheesesteak sandwich, and they they said that I I wished for rain on Tuesday, and and well, when the rain came, the the cat was uh in in the right area to knock over the milk tray, and and because of that, you know that that's not on me. And I I, I totally agree. I was. I listened to the press conference and I was like, <laughs> "What? this guy is delusional. He thinks that everything is just like, it just felt like, oh my gosh, we're going to have 162 games 
of this guy speaking speaking into the mic just speaking varsities. <laughs> yeah just like just like well what, what are you gonna do like i still have 20 starts left you know i may be owing i may be owing 10 but hey like it is what it is i just gotta get better like i i've i hear that so much in this town from just other sports players like you know the stars and stuff like hey we just got to get better and i don't need another person like that it's it's like, ridiculous. it that, is the top yes, obviously you need to get better obviously yes yes, yes. we need a congratulations for letting us know you, you, you need accountability a, you have yeah. a 10 era dude no, and like that's not good you're a starting pitcher you got paid 10 million dollars <laughs> you you have a million dollars for every earned <laughs> earned run in your average like like it's not it's no bueno dude you gotta uh -huh. get better and so i got pissed off at that and i think that was a a massive negative um and i hope he you know gets some sense knocked into him and plays better as well like i want both of those things to happen i don't want to be listening to this 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 junk all all season so yeah yeah it, it, well like you said it's the same thing with the celtics and they talk they're like well we just gotta get better as a team and we gotta get our stuff together and uh that's about it you're like yes yeah i, I I know. Okay. What, what are you going to actually do about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who are you going to start blaming? Like you, it is okay. Sometimes I understand you got to have your teammates back, you got to have the coach back, whatever. Mm -hmm. It is okay. Sometimes to point the finger and the best possible thing is to say, you know, point the finger at yourself, mm -hmm. but then actually make the changes. Mm -hmm. This guy though, this guy's, this guy's on something. If he's like, Oh, well, it's just, uh, I'm just throwing <laughs> ass over the plate and they're just hitting home runs. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, 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 Every ball is a good ball except for the result. Like, no, 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 no. The ball is not a good ball if the result is bad. That means it was a bad ball. Like yeah. it, it can't be a good pitch but a, a bad result. Like it doesn't it doesn't work that way. So <laughs> yeah, piss me off. Uh he needs to get his act together because he had another bad start yesterday. And I'm getting worried because if this is the kind of guy that we're depending on. And we got to be competitive this year. I'm, I'm not looking at a championship season, but if we're not at least 500, if not a little bit more than 500 by the end of the 162 games, I'm gonna be pointing fingers at the upper management, like Heim Bloom, for getting guys like Garrett Richards because they did not add anything. If not, they deterred the performance of this team. So this is not a good start, but you know I'm hoping for the best because the rest of the team has been playing really well uh, for the most part. So. Yeah, it's just wicking you. Well, so okay, so wait, straight. So so let's so this sort of brings us to our next topic, and that is just the MLB and baseball in general. Before we do oh, that, yeah, let's talk about your personal low. Yep. So let's talk about that personal low. And uh this one hit home to me, and it was the the recent passing of DMX. And rest I just kind of wanted to uh, yeah, rest in peace. I kind of want to talk about it because uh DMX I've been listening to for more than a decade and i'm a i'm a considerably young man so obviously i wasn't alive or <laughs> i was alive but i was i'm not listening to it when i'm two or three like i don't no no stop right here you're a fake fan dude <laughs> yeah dude i'm, I'm sorry about at, at toddler school bumping dmx what yeah what? Well, yeah x gonna give it to you in my in my uh nursery when <laughs> when i'm a year or up old. to preschool with a pacifier in your mouth <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. When I first uh when I first got into music and I I say western music because you know I'm Indian so a lot of the indie music was played earlier to me in my life and so when I first got into 
the gen on my generation of like pop and and hip hop and and then I started to do research about you know what came before as you know a preteen 11 12 13 years old DMX was one of the first artists that I came upon DMX and Dragon and all these guys and female rappers like Eve like that that just spoke was like gave you like this like visceral reaction every time you heard them and that was one of the 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 huge things about DMX for me is that he had such an aggressive tone and he was able to enunciate words in a certain way that almost like made you angry but the things that he were talking about in some of his songs too like showed you how vulnerable he was and it was mm. i never heard someone talk so angry but also open up to people as much as he did so it's one of the things where he never changed up regardless of what type of music he was making he kept the same energy and i really respect dmx for it and rest in peace right. dark man he was one of the greatest and i still continue to listen to him and i was bumping him all day yesterday and i'll bump him you know till i die because he's he's amazing mm. yeah rest in peace dmx i mean that was yeah i mean i you know bat battle with battle with addiction and that's that's hard for a lot of people Very so tough, I, yeah. I just shout out if anybody if anybody feels like they need help in any way Absolutely. reach out and get it because it's no joke mental health Absolutely. is not a joke uh and there's a lot of resources now and and i'm glad that society is as a whole is starting starting not there yet but it's starting to come around and realize that it's an issue so if you or anybody that you know is struggling in any way big or small just make sure that you know that there are resources and take it seriously, you know, cause there are people and, and resources that are there for you. So just take care of yourself, take care of yourself. Now I want to switch it up and I want to talk about something that we have not talked about on the podcast before. And that is baseball. Now baseball is not a sport that I am very familiar with. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch a lot of it growing up. I went to a handful, probably two or three Red Sox games when I was a kid. Super mm -hmm. fun. But to watch baseball on TV is different. In my mm -hmm. opinion, it takes a lot of time. I have to sit through a lot of commercials. I have to sit through a lot of downtime. And, and baseball as a sport has been sort of struggling to get casual fans to come in and to stay with them, not only at their games, but mostly on TV. Right. So we're going to talk about, and, and, and Shreyas has a perspective where you are you are a baseball fan. You know a lot of you know the top players, you know about the contracts, you know about the trades, you know about mm -hmm. the moves, you know about the history. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't. So let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about what the MLB can do to get casual fans in, what the problems might be, and where they can go. So take it away and, and we'll go we'll go from here. I think, yeah. So I think one of the biggest problems with the sport and how it's managed today is that it's so dependent about its history. And what I mean is not that, not that you shouldn't remember the history, right? Whether it's the players, how the game was played before, you know, it, the baseball has gone through many eras. So famously the dead ball era where there was not a lot of offense going on uh, in the early 1900s. And then the post, the post the dead ball era is when, you know, you started getting the Babe Roots and the, the Lou Gehrig's and the Roger Maris's that are hitting 50, 60 home runs and batting Slugger. 390 and 400 like every year. Right. So it's like, it's getting, 
it's getting more you know exciting at that time mm-hmm. now you're the mlb's entered i feel a little bit of a slump where in the in the late 1990s uh, in the early 2000s, you were mid, yeah, so the full decade of the 1990s and the early 2000s, you're getting a lot of these guys that didn't play the the sport in the right way, in a sense, where they're, they were, you know, steroid guys, and you didn't know who, you, there was not a real discernible line, as we only knew in the early 2000s after uh, the reports came out about, you know, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and uh, Jose Canseco and all these players that you know hit a lot of home runs, but it was exciting, right? So you want that reaction where the sport is exciting to you and it doesn't get old. But it's having a lot of trouble right now getting that same excitement, but for the newer generation. And mm-hmm. I don't think, and I think for a while they were trying to not pinpoint the actual problems that the younger viewers or view casual viewers were having with trying to watch the sport, but that they thought that they could continue kind of the same method that got them popular again in the, the late eighties, early, the nineties. Back in the day. Yeah. So, and that was the home run races, right? So one of the big things was in 1998, um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa had a huge home run race and they were, you know, battling, Sosa would hit one, that he would get to 60. Maguire would be at 63. Sosa would hit two. Now they're down one. And it's one of these things that people tracked, and it was, like, fun to see. And there's, like, a huge documentary about it on ESPN that uh, usually plays. And I think it's called, like, 30? Summer. Yeah, I think it's a 30 for 30. I think it's called, like, Summer of 98 or something like that. And it was just, like, it was, like, a, it was like a great thing for people of the time, fans of the time to watch, where it's, like, who's going to, you know, is someone going to uptake the other? And then McGuire ended up winning, and he hits close to 70 home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, like, that was, like, whoa. Like, that was a great season. People loved it. And that was fairly recent. That's, like, 20 years ago. And now 20 years later it's not it doesn't have the same effect because it's kind of already been done before if someone hits 50 you're like oh okay someone hits 50 but who is this guy you know what i mean like how did this guy hit 40 how did this guy hit 45 right so the home runs they they just don't have the value that they had in past years when they were trying to you know garner a bigger fan base right and baseball's been in a bunch of lulls too like there was a strike in 94 i think and that lost a lot of viewers cuz the the season wasn't played and then to garner more viewers you had the home runs but then now it just doesn't work the same so now it's kind of like do we look at the actual problems that the sport has or do we kind of you know put this blanket over it of wow let's keep doing this and flashing lights and oh but also really you shouldn't look at kind of here but oh but look at this over here there's a lot of flashing lights right well so that's one of the i think that's like kind of like a general sense of what I'm getting from the sport is that they're not in tune with what the market is looking for right now. And I, I think they're starting to get a sense of, okay, yeah, we ne- we better work quick because people are losing interest in our sport real fast. Faith. And, yes. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to just pop in and I just want to say that as a casual fan, I think the biggest thing, so I, 
I like the home runs and I like the excitement of watching some dude freaking slug the ball, slug the yeah. bat and just send that thing over the top. It's still great. Yeah, it's still great. The other thing that I like is I, I don't know if you call it offense or defense, but I like really, really good pitching. And yes. I like the really, you know, I, I like when somebody throws a crazy ball and they get a, you know, they get a defender, mm. they get a batter to bite on it. You know, really, really good pitching is exciting as well. Watching, you know, a fly ball get caught out there and watching them change innings and all that stuff, that's not exciting to me. And the the thing I think that drives a lot of casual people away Mm -hmm. is the time that it takes for the games to be played. 100%. Nine innings, so much downtime, a lot of changes, a lot of, you know, just waiting for stuff to happen. Like, if there was a way to watch it where it was just the action. If you could like watch somebody just like pitch it over and over again, see what happens. Boom, go to the next pitch. Boom. Let's see what happens. That would be in my opinion, a lot more entertaining than watching a full four hour game. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they could do something like, like what, what could the sport even do to pick it up? Because I think that time, that time commitment, even with football too, I think a lot of people who are our generation and even younger, as we see attention spans getting shorter and shorter, it's hard for people to sit down and watch a full game when right. they can just watch highlights after the fact. Like, do you think baseball could go to softball and only have seven seven innings, something like that? Yeah, so they've been kind of testing this. What, what happens in baseball is that they know the issue. And it's like one we're of not these gonna things. fix it. <laughs> yes, it's honestly it's kind of like that. Is they know the issue. So what they do to appease a lot of the the fans that you know, even not even just casual fans are getting kind of frustrated with it. The the hard the the hardcore fans they're also frustrated with it because they know that the game has got to evolve and change for the brand to grow. It's almost like you see someone that knows that does good work, but they always get in their own way and you know, they can keep doing, you know, they can do good work, but like, you're almost like passively, like you got to change this and this about yourself because we want you to be Mm. put on a pedestal that everyone can see how good you are, not just us kind of thing. And, and that's how it used to be. Right. So like everyone used to love baseball, quote unquote, America's pastime. So there's no crying in baseball when you get Tom Hanks in a movie about it. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's probably pretty popular. Yeah. So one of the, so they know the problem and a lot of the rules that they change, they change at the minor league level. So they, 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 that's where they do their experiments and stuff. They'll do like, um, they'll do a pitch clock and that's a big, that's a big thing that people really want is a pitch clock and I'll, I'll get into that, but they'll do, you know, these more experimentations at the double A, the triple A levels, and they'll just never surface to the MLB level because you have a lot of these baseball purists that love, that love the game for what it was and it should never be tampered with. And uh, like, you know what I mean? That's a lot of these owners and are like kind of these older baseball fans that, you know, the game was pure in that day. And we, yeah, the, the Aussie Smiths and the, the the Mike Schmidt's like all these you had and they never had to go through all this so why should the like why when we own the teams why should we have to go through it like we love the game for what and it's like kind of like it gets frustrating right because you have all older people making all the decisions and that's just like a 
general worldview. <laughs> so, uh oh, the boomers are in charge again. Oh, crap. <laughs> no, that's that's actually that's actually a good yeah. point. I mean, yeah, you don't want to change your ways because uh, well, this is just how it's been, and I think that's personally an outdated approach. Yeah. And if you see that, that's really interesting that you bring that up because if you see that your industry or your sport is declining and dying in some ways to the new generation why mm. wouldn't you make changes to keep keep it fresh keep it relevant like i would love to right. see a, a pitch clock let me explain the pitch clock is it's the amount of time that a pitcher has once they step on the rubber of the mound oh so it's and literally the, like a shot clock it's like you step on the mound yes. you got this many seconds to throw oh my yes. god why don't you do that that's yes. what I'm saying. When I watch a guy spit in his hand and his glove and walk back and yes, forth yes, and then yes. like make 12 hand signals and then like shake his nose and, and then like, you know, <laughs> brush his hair and then finally step up and throw a freaking whammy. Like the whammy is what I want to see. I don't want to see your free, you know, your free throw routine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. And then same goes for the batters, right? The batter. So the pitchers get angry because, oh, we have this routine and we don't like, what if we, you know, see a change? We want to be able to set up, but then, you know, step off. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so right. now it's just like, now it's just kind of this like, like piss measuring contest where you're like, oh, well, I like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, now I got to step off. So the batter's like, oh, well, if you get to step off, I get to step out of the box. Like, and it's just like, oh, like, I'm saying, and you take, you and take then, two minutes like, to like yes. set up for the next pitch. Yes. Now you have, yeah, now you have like a two minute pit, like, a, like to take one pitch, you have like two minutes. You might have yeah. a seven minute at bat. Of yeah. just balls, of just balls. And you're like, oh my God, this could be, this is aggravating if you're watching it, right? Like for the guys that are playing, they're like, no, we got to get it right. And we can't. Totally fine. Totally right. fair. Totally right. fine. But for the, for me, I'm staring at my screen. I'm like, oh my God, this game is not moving. I could be doing something else right now. <laughs> right. And so people who even, I feel like some people who have it on just leave it in the background and do something else. I, yes, yes. I think that's what's happening too. Because to sit and actively participate in that, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I enjoy watching basketball. And that's why I can watch so much basketball is because mm-hmm. the games, I know I can set aside two hours to watch basketball. Mm-hmm. It's relatively fast-paced. You know, yes, they do commercial, but the commercials are only really at the timeouts and in between the quarters. So mm-hmm. you can anticipate those. And then the action, too. A soccer, too, even, is, is they, there, yes. there's constant movement within it. And, yes. and and that again, I just go back to it. Is that that's a lot of people's complaint is the time is the downtime in between. Because people even with the NBA, people get frustrated when they have a coach's challenge or they have to review a call and they review it for like five minutes, even though you have yeah. 12 analysts upstairs in the video room looking over this call, like it takes you forever to make a decision. Playoffs, yeah. that's different, but for regular season, like come on. We gotta look at each sport and say, when the product is being played. Is there an issue with the amount of time is being played, the amount of action per you know minute of or second, really? Like, how much are you really enjoying every minute or every second you're watching that? And <laughs> the pace, the and with baseball for the cat, like for the casual fan, right? Is you're not really enjoying a lot of the time you're watching most of the time, and this happens to me too. And I I love baseball. Is that say it's like a you know game. 100 the game is like you know the season is so long it's 162 two. games for every that team too. yeah the season is so long right so if you're gonna keep a long season but you want someone to not be fatigued by game 50 or 100 then you gotta make the individual games more exciting in some way so that 
someone, you know, it takes longer for someone to get fatigued. If you're going to keep it long, if you're going to keep it 162 games, if you're keeping a four hour game, but in game 102, the game is like four and a half hours. I'm going to not watch until the seventh or eighth inning and then be That's, like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, yep. what's the point? Like, I have already watched the story before. I've already watched a four and a half game, four and a half hour game in game 20. Like, if I'm just going to watch it in game 102, like, it's going to be the same spiel. Like, I'm like, that's how I feel if I, and that's me, that's me speaking. That's not like, like, as a casual fan, like, you probably are like, by game 102, you're like, let me just watch the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, just, I will you know catch, I mean? exactly. I will catch an update on Sports Center. I will, I will look at their, I look at their, like, their final score for the night. And then that's, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I, I totally understand that mindset because it's like, why would why would you spend it, it doesn't mean that yeah right it, it, i'm not you're right i'm yeah. not gonna i there's a million other things that i can be doing instead of sitting down for four hours exactly exactly and when you have to start games at like 2 3 p.m on a yeah. weekday no you know what I mean? who's watching that first yes who's watching it second if you have to start because you know the game is going to take three hours at least, right? So it's going to, you're, you're basically going to end before most people's dinner time. Then you're like, <laughs> then you're like, there, there's a problem. Like you shouldn't have to start a game that late. They started to do a couple things uh, and they experimented over this shortened season last year. So they, they played, they played a very shortened season and they were like, okay, this is the opportunity. If we're going to experiment with us, a very small sample size of games for one season. Let's do a little more experimentation with the rules. And a couple of rules I want to talk about with you, Max, and see if this kind of gains interest for you. Okay. Is the first is that if the game is if your team is playing a doubleheader, okay. each game would it would only be seven innings. So this happened last season, and it, they brought it over to this season. So say your your team plays at one o'clock on a day that and then you, the doubleheader is also scheduled for seven fifteen. so that right. game that first game is going to be seven innings that second game is going to be seven innings does that you know kind of create a little bit of buzz and that oh i can watch one or both games or does yeah. that you know do anything to you to be to, i mean it, it it's it's nice i would rather mm-hmm. watch a seven inning game because really i mean i don't know i feel like if you make the game shorter and I've never played baseball, so I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know the experience of a player. I don't know what the player perspective is. But if you have a shorter game, doesn't that force people to make plays and make decisions right. in, within a shorter amount of time? So that does just speed up the action. Like like Absolutely. the pitch clock, too. That's like, you have. if I have 15 seconds to throw a pitch, I've got to get my stuff together, and I'm going to throw the best pitch that I can. And right. that will allow more mistakes and more stuff to happen on both sides. But those are going to happen anyway. And they're mm-hmm. just happening within a shorter amount of time. And then more crazy stuff can happen, I feel like. I would, Absolutely. if it was a doubleheader, I'd probably even like it to go down to like six innings. If you're playing two games mm-hmm. on the same day against the same team, come on. Yeah, that's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of baseball. So I agree that, I totally agree with you, with the fact that the shorter the game is, the more the manager and the players have to, be, like the manager has to make more be more decisive they they yeah, don't have like, yeah. an inning they don't have an inning buffer to be like oh you know we'll put this guy out for 
four innings. Like I know he he's given up two runs, but he can last another inning because we we don't want our setup guy to go too early type of thing. Like it's like no, does. like yeah. Yep. Like the like this game's almost over, dude. Like you gotta you gotta think: Am I gonna pull this pitcher right now, or am I gonna you know have him gut it out and see if he can get this last out kind of thing? It's like, where it's like, oh, like that's a that's a big decision. And if you're a what fan, time? you're like, what time? yeah. If you're a fan, you're like, oh man, did, is that the right decision? Like, are you sure you should be doing that? Like that, those types of questions are things that I'd be like excited about because right, it's just more chatter, some more more sports fodder for us. So it's like. Well, exactly right. And then you could say, oh, this coach made a great decision last second play or last second, mm-hmm. you know, call or last second swap. Mm-hmm. And and just like Joe Joe said last week when he came on the show, you know, he said it creates it creates buzz and it creates media and it creates drama. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that we like to talk about. Yes. Yeah. We love that. We love that. The second rule, Max, that I wanted to go over with you, and I think this is gonna be a little bit more up your alley, is Okay is this new this happened last year they brought it over this year it's a new runner on second base rule for extra innings so what they do is to shorten these games that obviously you know that you never know how long a a baseball game will run you know roughly it's going to take at least two two hours 45 minutes to three hours to 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 play the nine innings and then what if the game is tied now you don't know you know it could be a back and forth you could have 14, 15, 16, there's been 18, 20 inning games like that have been played. And there they may be fewer and far between, but they happen. Extra innings happens all the time. 10, 11 innings happens all the time. So what they did was to shorten the games and to 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 have, I guess, less physical stress on the players being having no no one on base or you know having to start almost from scratch all over again, right? Mm-hmm. They put us. They put a runner on second base already. So the runner is already on scoring position before the first batter comes up to bat. So you pick the runner that comes. This this whole thing of having the runner on second base, I guess it's to it's to stir more offensive, you know, offensive ability, like in a sense that when when the field is empty, when the bases are empty. You have the batters have a certain approach, but now there's more of a sense of urgency because you have a guy that can score if you can get a, a single to to left field or you know what I mean like you can get a double this guy can score, so now you're adding a little bit of hey like you're all the hits matter because this guy's already on second, more scoring because you have this ability of if you can get the guy from second off base you will be on base most most probably, and now you're 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 getting chugging along. You don't get these 14 inning games that the guy, the, the team, your team wins by one run or loses by one run. You're like, so I just waited 14 innings for us to lose. So it's like, you know what I mean? So does that kind of spur more interest that now there's more offense for more of the, the extra baseball being played and that it, it kind of speeds it up a little bit. You probably might have less 15 inning games and more, 10 to 12 inning games does that kind of help you Bro, that's help you that's what i that's yes oh my god imagine sitting through 15 innings of the speed of baseball that is taking place right now no absolutely mm-hmm. not yes i i really like that idea and like you said exactly like you said it forces decisions mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. it forces the pitcher it forces the batter like like you gotta if you're the batter you gotta get your guy to score like you have a chance right here 
you got a chance. You got mm-hmm. there's no excuse. Like you gotta you gotta you know, hit your balls, make your shots. <laughs> yeah, basically. And as a pitcher, you got to make sure that you are pitching the right pitch in the right spot, the right speed, with the right curve, the right motion. Yeah. If you're gonna go to nine innings, I don't know. Maybe even mix it up. Do like a sudden death in the ninth. Do this. You know, I, mm. probably not for for again for the baseball purist's sake. But yeah. having somebody on a base to start is and, and you said they're on second base. Yeah, so they start on second. Yeah, I, I yeah they they need to they literally need to get two bases to score. So yeah, I, I like that. I do like that. It 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 require it makes you more urgent, right? So when you start normal extra innings right from past seasons no one's on base it's almost like you're playing a new game all over again uh-huh. and it's just like and with a game that doesn't have as much action from like as if it was a, a basketball or a football game right it doesn't have it doesn't have the same action per minute type of type of deal it's almost like you're starting a new baseball game all over again and now you're like Oh man, I'm I could be watching a game within a game from a game that's already three hours. I re, I I like it for this year. Um, oh yeah. Oh, oh, you're talking about that rule. Sorry, I thought you meant talking about. I was making the snoring sounds for the like playing oh, extra innings just straight up. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No, I like I like the rule for this year because of yes. that. Your your no, your snoring noise shows basically how people feel about. Say you're say you were like a losing team, right? And your game went to fifteen. Innings, yeah, 15. yeah. You, you, you have you have your hardcore fan. He's watching all fifteen innings. And, he's in a bad mood. Yeah, and he's, he's in and a bad mood. He knows his team is about to lose, but he just watched fifteen innings of a game. Like he's going like, to his Bobo doll in the corner, and he's beating the crap out of that Bobo doll. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you. Why want can't to- we be good? <laughs> <laughs> and like, why can't we score? Why can't we score too? Like, why can't we get a run in? Please, like the man. The man like, sends his application into the team management front <laughs> office, and he's like, "Take me." Take anyone, please. Yeah. yeah so no, I, I, I mean, Shrey, they, they, they need to find a way to speed it up. I think is both of our Agreed. consensus at the end of this. I like yeah. those new rules. I think that what they experiment with again, I don't know the extent of all the rules that they're trying out in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. but if they help the game pick up, bring them in because really, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the attention span of the average sports enthusiast or casual Mm. viewer is going down so you need to speed up the entire piece of the game to make it more relevant so that people will watch a live game and and you got to generate more hype around it i do like the new jersey thing that they've been doing in modeling the nba's city edition jerseys Mm. that's cool now now i might watch a little bit more of a game to see the new jerseys in effect Right, that that's a great thing to help increase marketing and cr- increase a little bit more hype around your games. I think that's and you a got great a little decision. rollout, right? Like one team does it at this date, and then the other team does it maybe a month later. So you're kind of waiting. In a right, sense. right, super cool. But I sit down to watch the game with their new jerseys, and it's still four hours. So <laughs> it like big, like we are issue, we're at the yeah. same spot. Yeah, yeah. Next section is another edition of. Amateur Hours Gauntlet. This time, we are going to be talking about the small forwards of the NBA. Mm. So this week on the Gauntlet, okay, this okay. one was difficult for me to make because I thought about it. I don't know who I would cut. 
Just oh, for those of you just joining us, the gauntlet is very similar to other forms of start bench cut. But in the amateur hour version, we have four players. Treyas will give his golden egg to one of them. So they, this is his top player out of this position. He will bench two of them, and he will send one of them to work at Home Depot, never to touch a basketball ever again. You see... No, it is. We, we, they're, they're not going to Lowe's. They're going to Home Depot. At least they got good smell. That's it. That is true. We did talk about the good smell of Home Depot last <laughs> week. So I guess that's fair. All okay, right. So this is always very tough for me. Yeah. This, the, the, I, I don't know how you're going to do this one. I, I, I don't know who you're going to pick. <laughs> oh, this week is small forwards. Now, small forward has some of the best players in the league. It does. At that position individually. So <laughs> we have the start Kevin Durant. Okay. LeBron James, okay. Kawhi Leonard, okay. and Jimmy Butler. Okay. That's it. Those are your small forwards. Who is getting the golden egg and who's going to Home Depot? Okay, 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 okay. So LeBron, LeBron is getting my – I don't know what I was thinking. LeBron is getting my start. He's getting my golden egg. Okay, and interesting. Yeah, I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to explain it too much. He can do <laughs> – Literally, he can do literally everything on the basketball court. Okay. And yes. He he's he's deserved the right to to be the best in the league, and he may not get MVP every year because that you know can't go to can't LeBron. Can't give it to guy. Yeah, they're not. They can't give it to Giannis this year. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they gave it to Jordan six times in a eight year span. So go. I don't know. Yeah. So like you know what I mean like. LeBron, LeBron's just that dude. LeBron's, LeBron so, is goaded. Yeah, we, okay, yeah. great. All right, so LeBron's who, that dude. who's going on your bench? Okay, so KD's getting one of my spots. KD is one of the best scorers of all time at his position, at any position. His past, seven one. Yeah, yeah, his, like, 7 oh, foot, 6'11", 7 foot. He can shoot, has unlimited range. His pull-up mid-range, pull-up three. Is lethal oh. has been lethal in the finals at the biggest at the highest level. So, other than that, I think, and also in the past, I'd say six, seven years that he's been in the league, he's you know become a way better defensive player, and he's taken it upon himself to to be a, a facilitator. So now, if you look at how he controls the game, he doesn't have to just score. He's He's becoming a better passer. He can block shots and and take it to the rim more than he usually does too. Um, in the past, I'd say six, seven years. So, KD, you know, almost to that goaded range. He's on the. He's getting close to the cusp of it, and uh, he's got to be in my. He's got to be on my bench as my first spot. Now, this, this right here, mm. is. What you, I mean. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of I, I, I'm gonna interrupt you and, and just I don't I don't want this to influence your decision. But a lot of people off the bat are gonna say, "Oh, Jimmy Butler, we're gonna cut him. He's gonna go to Home Depot." Right. But I no, want to say that man is it has become he he's one of the most slept on and and underappreciated players in the NBA. He is a workhorse. He is a dog. He is a defensive monster, and he uh-huh. is basically a triple double. He can do he can do everything and that man will hustle. He made it to the finals last year with a with a fourth seed. Yeah. What you know? I mean in a tough in a tough situation in the bubble too. So Yeah. 
Yeah. So this is tough because Jimmy Butler is one of those players that I have really grown a liking to in the past couple of years because even though he hasn't, in a sense, won, it, it, it shouldn't be an indictment on him because the way he plays, he plays as if he knows that he could win with any team. And he everywhere he's gone, the team has been competitive, if not been close to a champion. You talk about the Bulls. He he went from a defensive player to this offensive juggernaut, or not not juggernaut, but like he went to he went into he was an offensive liability in the beginning of his career, and he he went into a twenty point per game scorer. He was a tough out with those teams with that team with Rondo and D Wade, and then he went to Minnesota, and out of nowhere, Minnesota hadn't made a playoff in like at the time like 14 years or something and he brought him to the he brought him to the first round right then he goes to miami and then he goes to the sixers sorry then he goes to the sixers and he takes a team that was kind of felt like middling in a sense with the 76ers trust the process yeah the 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 mb conversation and the simmons conversation are can are they compatible you know brett brown what is he doing can these guys work together is this just going to be a four or five seed every year. And he made them almost, you know, beat that Raptors team, if not for Kawhi's uh-huh. quadruple uh-huh. doink shot. And so it's like one of those guys that he may not, he may get the, the worst end of the stick in these conversations, but it's not for a fact of he is not the best player on the team basically at any time. And so that's what makes us tough. That's that's like a, I know that was very long winded, but that was, that's what makes us Kawhi versus Jimmy Butler tough. But right, so who are you gonna pick? Who are you gonna pick? You gotta pick somebody. Who are you gonna pick? Okay, I know I talked all about. <laughs> I know I talked a lot about Jimmy Butler, but I'm gonna have to pick Kawhi. Yeah, the reason I picked Kawhi is I know a, a big a big indictment of him was that last the bubble season when they got pantsed in the last three games with the Nuggets and just just kind of imploded. But I look at Kawhi as a leader and a silent leader in a sense. And it's one of those things where like I wish if Tatum and Brown were gonna be these kind of silent leaders and show how they play the game rather than talk about it. And then they say like, oh I'm very, you know, mellowed out and I don't really, you know, have to yell and I like Kawhi is the quintessential of that type. Kawhi puts if you look at I just look at that Toronto run and that was a team I didn't think would ever be as good as they were. When Kawhi first got traded, I was like I was like oh man, like this dude is really just going to quit on this team and then leave. Like, that's what I thought cuz like he was yeah, pissed wrong. about leaving wrong. he was pissed about San Antonio. And then he's going to come to Toronto take it out on them and then they're, they're kind yeah. of like he was being... good yeah I mean, he gave everything what Kawhi is a workhorse and yeah. he works i mean i i hear about how he practices and he just does the same move for like 30 minutes mm. and he will just get it down he will just get it in his body so the next time that he does it he is i, I mean he's a killer he's he is a killer yeah when he needs to get a job done he gets a job done i mean yeah some of the biggest hands in the NBA, but his dunks. I mean, he there was a poster he had the other day on uh, DeAndre Ayton. He's had so many posters where he just he grabs a ball in one hand, puts it up over everybody, and then just 
ruins our day. And yes, you're right. He came to Toronto. I don't think anybody was expecting a chip. But when him and Siakam and Danny Green and Lowry and Van Vliet and everybody was meshing, that was some of my favorite basketball to watch. That was I hopped on the bandwagon hard in the middle of the season for the Raptors. Dude, think about think about this. He brought that team to an NBA Finals and he and he won. Right? That team has not changed since. Roughly, that team is now an 11 seed. Like last I year, oh, just take last year. They were they were very similar. The they had they still had yeah. Serge Ibaka. They were yeah. you know yeah a very similar team. Yeah, and they were oh no they were two seed last year. They were two seed with the, with the healthy Lowry and. But like it's one of these things that like you didn't see it right away what Kawhi meant to that team until you got to this year and you realize a lot hadn't really changed, but the team had a significant drop off. And what would Kawhi have looked like had he had stayed from last year and this year? Repeat if it was the same. If it was the same team, uh, not maybe not because statistically that's very difficult. But it probably would have been. It would. Maybe. They would have probably would have been Raptors. Easy. Yeah, they would have gotten to the finals. Winning isn't everything, but a person that <laughs> needed to do so much for them to win, and then actually did win, like that. Like that has to be like the upper echelon of the upper echelon. And Jimmy Butler is almost there. He shows that he has what it takes to win, and he knows that he can be the driving force for a winning team. Now it's just the a little bit of luck and a little bit of you know, things just have to go right and he gets there. Mm-hmm. I agree Kawhi, with that. And, and I think, and I think having had that already been said for Kawhi just puts him above Jimmy Butler at this point, right at this okay. point. Okay. So, okay. That's so Jimmy Butler's going to Home Depot. <laughs> and that's what we have to say. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. he's gone. I'll take, he's his out. Spot. I'll take his spot. He's out. Oh, no, no, he's well, done. I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll... no, Shreyas, he's gone. Goodbye. You just, you just left a walking, walking triple double. Go help people with plywood and primer. No, That's, all, yeah. Can they all play? No, I'll take this spot. Sitting this, stewing this, stewing this pain. Oh. All right. Now, before we get oh. going, we have to do it. <laughs> Shreyas is going to take us home. Oh, actually, before that, congratulations to UMass Hockey for winning a national championship. What UMass a game. What a game. Good for them. That's it. That's all I want to say. All right. Power through the fact of the week. Take us home. It's time for Shreyas' fact of the week. So, Max, my fact of the week is yes. uh, kind, of, kind of hilarious. I actually didn't know this happened until I searched it up. Just to make sure, too. Napoleon Bonaparte, right? The, the famous French, French, French military French general. and yes. French general and leader. He, so he signed a treaty that ended the war between the French Empire and Imperial Russia in 1807, and they were looking for ways to celebrate his his people, right? His his government and everyone everyone underneath them. They were looking for ways to celebrate. So they thought, why don't we do a rabbit hunt? And we'll just you know gather a bunch of rabbits, you know, set them free, and you know we can you know go to town on them. That's what they did. So the chief, his chief of staff to arrange kind of this outdoor thing a little bit of a like a banquet type of thing and they collected a bunch of rabbits it's close to around three thousand, is what i see and he caged they caged them all and then they went to like this field and they released them the rabbits didn't run away they did because the rabbits looked to attack what 
So the rabbits actually started running towards Napoleon and like all his men. And now there's 3,000 rabbits on like the prowl, like <laughs> making making Napoleon and all his, all his, I guess, compadres and cabinet people under him like run, <laughs> not really for their life because it's bunnies, but like they were like, oh, this is like kind of turned on us. Wow. They were looking for a way to celebrate. And it was like when bunnies attacked. And Why don't they just shoot him right there? <laughs> well, I mean, there are 3,000. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like one of those things where it's like, would you rather fight a, 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 a bear-sized duck or a duck-sized bear? Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like three thousand, like three thousand like, rats or a grizzly bear. Yeah, right. It's like one of those things. That it's like you, you're always like, yeah, I can fight the, I can fight the the three thousand rats because it's like it's 3, a rat. thousand rats. But it's three. I would not fight. A, I would not fight a grizzly bear. A grizzly bear <laughs> will ruin your day. You're dead. Literally one swipe and you're done. Ruined. It's just only your day. Only your day. Yeah, and your face and your and spine your and yeah. it'll leave you alive when, when bunnies attack. When bunnies <laughs> attack. Alrighty. Well, you have been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we will see you next time. Peace.